Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about content and social media strategy, how you can get results, traffic, sales and anything else. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Ashley Faust. How are you? Hey, I'm good. How's it going? Oh, I'm doing great. Sunny day, positive mindset, everything is fine. Especially I'm going to learn more about content and social media strategy. I love it, you know, because I spend so much time on LinkedIn, on YouTube. Yeah, it's the way of learning. Of course, I read yeah. uh, books, blog posts, m- m- many other stuff. But I know without the right strategy, it's hard to get results. You can't get results with generic strategy. You can't overcome your competitors by copying or replicate their successful strategies. That's why I'm so excited to learn more about that. Before we start, just tell more about your experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about strategy. Yeah, sure. So I am a marketer, writer, and speaker by day, and a singer, actor, and fitness fiend by night. So I actually do like to combine the personal and the professional, and that's something that I think actually does go into that content and social media strategy where thinking about what is that unique element that you can add. It's not just about, okay, you know, I have to sell this product or I have to recruit these people for a job or I have to position my company in this way. It's really what is the unique voice? What is that unique experience that somebody's going to have with the people behind the brand? Um, so that's why I, I mix both the personal and professional in my bio. Um, and I work for Atlassian. We're a collaboration software maker. So I handle a variety of um, content, social media, strategy, team responsibilities for our Agile and DevOps portfolio of products. So lots of developer marketing. Um, it's a little funny sometimes people are like, yeah, how do you weave in you know, your product messaging into your personal stuff, you know, on LinkedIn and stuff. And I'm like, I don't don't really do that. Like I market to a different audience. So I bring in those lessons for how I think about marketing to them um, to share that with other leaders and practitioners. But it's a little funny. It's like, I don't, I don't actually market our products via my personal channels very often. So uh, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Love it, love it. I, I like your energy, you know, because when you share something, you know, you I can feel it, you know, on my body, you know. Uh, I I have the first question: Where to start? For example, if I want to create my uh, strategy, content strategy, uh, where to start if I don't know where to go? For example, I have a new product, a new company, and I know it's high quality, but where to start? How to find the right strategy? Yeah. So. Um, First, I'll tell you where not to start, and then I'll tell you where to start. So what a lot of folks do is they go back to that traditional funnel. So at its core, it's three phases. It's awareness, consideration, and purchase. And so what they do is they whip out their editorial calendars and they say, okay, I'm going to create three pieces of content for awareness. I'm going to tell them all about, you know, hey, this problem exists and our company exists. And then I'm going to write two pieces of content about consideration. I'm going to explain to them why our company solves this problem the best. And then they say, okay, and I'll create one piece of content in the purchase phase of the funnel, which basically ends up being like, you know, a sales sheet or a pitch deck or a feature list, something like that. And then they just say, okay, I'm going to publish once per month. And like, now I have a strategy and they have failed to really think about Mm -hmm. who is the audience? Where are they in their journey? Who are they as people? Um, what do they know about the problem space? What do they know about the solution space? Um, what do they know about us? What do they know about their peers? What are they thinking about from a competition standpoint, right? Like there's so many things that they need to know. So what I like to suggest instead is to think about it like a playground. And so if you think about a physical playground, there's a lot of different ways to play on the playground. You can go in any order. You can use content the wrong way, right? Like think about little kids. They always want to go yeah. up the slide instead of down the slide. 
And if we think about that from a content marketing and content strategy perspective, we start to realize that we need to think about different depths of content, not just very specific, you know, the goals that we are trying to achieve as marketers, right? It's about the audience. And so I would say the first step in any strategy is genuinely caring about and understanding your audience. What are their pain points? Where are they in terms of knowledge? And again, everyone always puts this through their own lens. They're like, their pain points are they need my product. That's not a pain point. Like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, they don't, right? Their knowledge. Well, they have only been to our website one time. No, that has nothing to, that's, that's all about you. That's your knowledge company. That's not their knowledge mm -hmm. where, you know, they're thinking about these things. Um, so that, that's the first step is really understanding the audience. And then I think second step is to deeply understand, um, you know, the market, the competition, understanding what else is out there, the prior art about this problem space and the solution space. And then you can start to match those things because, your audience may be completely unaware of that prior art. And so you may have to do a lot more education to help them understand that this is even a problem um, versus if you're in a maybe a more mature market, um, there's a lot of thought leaders, there's a ton of competition. The audience may actually be further along in their education journey. And so you may have to do some more to explain, you know, your specific niche or this new twist on the problem um, or new twist on the solution because they already think that they've solved the problem and they, they mm -hmm. don't understand that the market has changed. Yeah, love it, love it. Can you tell about uh, choosing the right channel? For example, marketing is huge. We have many different channels, SEO, social media, um, a, lo a lot, a lot. Can you tell how to find the right channel uh, for a new product, for example? Sure. So again, I would go back to really deeply understanding where your audience spends time. So I think a lot of people get too hung up. They, they go one way or the other, right? They decide that there's a channel that they like. So for me, um, I'm highly biased. I really like LinkedIn. Um, I'm good at that channel. I have a good following on that channel. I know how the platform works. So for me, I tend to be like, everybody should go to LinkedIn. But when I step back and realize like, and this is true for, um, you know, in, in my day job, right? A lot of my audience spends time on Reddit. Um, they really like, you know, that's a, a strong developer community. They really like Reddit. And so understanding where they're hanging out, not just where I feel most comfortable, that's step one. Step two, um, and I see this a lot as well, is people try to blast everything in every channel. And so they're like, well, we just have to do all the channels. Um, wow. And it's like, if you're small or you're resource constrained, you need to be more focused about how you pick your channels. So I would say do that audience research, find maybe the top three where they spend time and then just start experimenting, you know, spend some time, probably one to two quarters in this case, because again, content takes time. It takes time for you to build that relationship with your audience. Um, and so spend some time in each of those channels, experiment with the content, experiment with the conversations and see what starts to get traction. And then you can go out and say, okay, what is a channel that is most similar to this or um, this channel is actually doing really well. Let's double down on it. So you have to do that audience research and then you have to have that mindset of iteration experimentation. It's not it's the right channel. There is no right yeah. channel. There is a right channel for the right person at the right time. Um, and that may change in terms of both the right person and the right time as you're thinking about your channel mix. 
Yeah, love it, love it. You remind me when I started uh, to grow my business to English-speaking countries in 2020, and I tried to cover Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram, all, all, all social media platforms, and yeah. I got it. No way. Uh, when you spend all your time trying to cover all channels, I got like five, ten followers a day, a hundred views, not more. Then yeah. I decided to pay attention with LinkedIn and got like 200 followers a day, a lot more. Uh, uh, 10,000 views a day, so I got it. No way, it's better to pay attention with one channel. So I love your reply. And uh, I want to ask about uh, you mentioned in the first uh, uh, part about uh, customers don't care about products uh, or something like this. Uh, yeah. Can you tell uh, how to uh, provoke this feeling? that uh, you can decide their problems with your products. For example, I remember when Tim Cook from Apple uh, on presentation about Apple Watch, by the way, I bought them after this presentation. And, uh, you know, for me, it's hard because I don't, I can't buy one uh, yeah. Apple Watch. I need to buy it for my wife, for my son, for everyone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I bought three <laughs> items and, uh, and he shared three stories how Apple Watch can help and decide your problems. He didn't share about features, about many other stuff that you can read online. You know, it's, it's not hard yeah. to find, but he shared three stories. Can you tell more about storytelling? How to create story that will provide the feeling that uh, these products can decide problems, simplify your life, improve your life or anything else? Sure. So I think there's a couple ways to do this. I will say that in the case where somebody, you know, to your point, you can go read those features online. Um, when you want to understand how long is the battery life, which band colors are there, what kind of materials options are there for the bands, right? You're going to be really frustrated. And we see this on food blogs all the time where someone's like, the other day I went on a walk and you're like, dude, I just need to know the band color for this watch. Like, get there. So again, going back to that audience, like step one, do they just want to know the list of features? Great. Give them the list of features. But if they are in that sense of like, how is this going to fit into my life? Um, I think that having a human be the person to tell the story, right? Like I'll give an example. I recently launched an associate product marketing manager program at Atlassian. So in this case, the thing that I was selling was a job. And there's actually a lot of people selling jobs in the market. They're trying to hire talent. And the way that they're doing that is they're constantly shouting, I'm hiring, I'm hiring, I'm hiring, right? Posting job descriptions. So what I did is I talked about my journey when I first started my career. I said, you know, I graduated into a recession. Um, I got a lot of people who were like, oh, you, you seem very smart. You seem very capable. You seem hardworking, but we just need someone who can hit the ground running. And so I had a really hard time getting hired early in my career. And then I said, you know, fast forward a decade. Now I'm in the position to be able to help someone start their journey. And so if you're just starting your career or you know someone who's just starting their career in marketing, please let me know. Send them this job description. I would love to take a look and help them start their journey in marketing. And that post got, you know, 40,000 views and, you know, 100 comments and tons of reactions because people could relate. And that was something where people got very excited about the opportunity because they could see themselves. They, we've all been early in our career at one point. We all know the struggle of getting our first job. And so that human connection. Um, and we see this too, even from a product standpoint, right? Like coming in hot and saying, um, so for example, in our developer marketing, um, Bitbucket and Jira, the devs really want to stay in Bitbucket. They like to be in their repo. But 
they know that for visibility of their work, they need to update their JIRA tickets. And so when we came in and said, hey, struggling to break out of your code base and, and come back and update your JIRA tickets, no worries. Here's this feature that very specifically solves that pain point. And so you can do it from that very high level personal story. You can do it where you're bridging features to specific pain points like we did in that case. Or you could do it very, you know, very targeted where you literally say, you know, do you have trouble matching your bands to your outfits? No worries. We have 50 different band colors on your Apple Watch and they're super easy to swap them out. Um, so that's kind of, I would say it's it's a spectrum. Don't tell people stories when they are just looking for a set of features. Um, again, food blogs, right? Like, I don't yeah. care that, you know, you made cookies with your grandmother growing up and this recipe has evolved. Dude, that's great for you. I really just need to find the chocolate chip cookie recipe. Like how many cups of chocolate chips go into this recipe? That's all I need to know. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, can you tell about uh, consistency on social media? Uh, because, uh, for example, uh, okay, we know uh, our audience is on Reddit or LinkedIn, any other places. How to uh, be consistent yeah, and uh, it's important or not. Because um, the reason why I'm asking about that, uh, we have uh, two different opinions. The first one, you need to be consistent to post a lot as maximum as possible, share value, uh, probably Gary Vee, uh, uh, shares about that. Uh, we have different opinion that it's better to create quality, less content, but quality, not quantity, forget about uh, quantity, uh, and uh, how to find balance between them. Because, uh, for example, uh, for me, I know that it works when uh, I create quantity, not quality. I can explain why. Uh, because uh, when you create uh, quantity, you can improve quality as well, step by step. You are not good with uh, creating quality, but when you train yourself, when you go ahead, when you know how to create content at scale, it works for me. But I know some marketers proclaim, no, you need to care more about quality. Can you tell how to find this balance? Yeah. So I think that there's a couple different ways to approach this. One is uh, take a broader view of what counts as content. So um, mm -hmm. being in discussions on LinkedIn or on Twitter or commenting, you know, leaving lengthy replies on Reddit, that is content. People do start to get to know you via your comments um, and via your responses and being part of the community. So that's one thing is don't think of content just as the original posts that you share via Twitter, Reddit, LinkedIn, et cetera, um, but also think of content as the engagement with other people, being part of the community. So that's the first thing. I think um, from a brand perspective, you want to balance how much you're showing up to talk about your own stories versus how much you're amplifying your customers, your partners, your employees, um, other brands that you want to partner with, right? There is a sense that there's a shift happening, particularly in brand, where it goes from this one-way broadcast mindset into this community-building mindset. And so it's not just about, hey, I'm a brand, I have stuff to say, or, oh, look, here's my employees, by the way, we're hiring, or, oh, look, here's our customers, by the way, buy our products. It's also about saying, these are this is our mission, these are our values, and this organization over here exemplifies it. So again, if I think about Atlassian, for example, we um, have a lot of values around education and supporting education. And so there are a number of organizations that we partner with, like Room to Read, that help provide education in places where maybe it's not as widely available. And so we don't just sit there patting ourselves on the back saying like, oh, yes, we donated to Room to Read. No, 
we mm -hmm. amplify that content and success stories from room to read. Same thing, we talk a lot about um, climate change and the climate crisis. And so we've made a number of commitments in that area. And so we amplify other organizations that are also striving for that and other companies that are, are partnering with us. So yes, sure, sometimes we post content about a product mm -hmm. webinar or winning an award or where we're positioned in an analyst report. But we also try to think about how do we amplify the content that is in line with our values. And that it's the same thing for employees, right? Like when I posted that position, uh, the brand mm -hmm. handle could have posted that position as well, but instead they amplified my content. And so you have to find that balance between posting content, whether you're an individual or a brand, and then participating in the community or amplifying content in the community. I do think you need to show up. It depends per platform. Um, so Twitter obviously has a much higher tolerance, I guess, if you want to call it that <laughs> for frequency. Um, I, think, I think the stat was something like the half-life of a tweet is like eight minutes or something, right? So you can post yeah. on Twitter a lot. Um, LinkedIn recently came out and said, hey, we're going to be distributing the reach of posts over, I think they're up to like 48 hours or 72 hours now. So if you post multiple times a day, the reach of all of those posts is actually going to get spread out. And so it's mm -hmm. not actually in your best interest in a lot of cases to post all the time on LinkedIn so many times per day because that reach per post is going to be decreased, right? So some of it depends on the platform. I think this is the other hard nuance of that balance is yeah. that, uh, yes, there's the quality of what you can create, but there's also the quality of the engagement and the reach and the performance that the platform will allow you to have. Yeah, love it, love it. So valuable. Yeah, I agree with that because, yeah, I think uh, all social media platforms have their uh, preferences, advantages. Yeah, yeah, it's better to learn them. Uh, I have the question about uh, customers' minds. For example, if they open social media, they have no buying mood. They are not ready to buy uh, because uh, the main reason why people are using social media to talk to customer, uh, not customers, to their friends, anything, you know, to learn information. Uh, but how to sell on social media, how to uh, submit call to action, how to change their mood, you know, from uh, not buying to buying, what do you think about it? Yeah, so I I would actually push back on that a little bit. I have seen, um, especially on Twitter, people will reach out and be like, I'm looking for a new whatever it is, social media management tool, or I'm looking for a new content agency, or I'm looking for a new, you know, CRM. Uh, what are people using? What do they like? And in that case, they actually are in a very buy mode. I So I would say it's almost, um, I, I think that the spectrum is a lot more clear where people are either in um, declare, like, hey, I am looking for this tool, give me recommendations. And in that case, like brand, you know, I think brand handles can jump in and be like, hey, we actually offer this solution, like here's a free trial or here's a demo video or whatever the thing is. Or they're on the other end of the spectrum, as you say, where they're like not in a buying mode at all. And so mm -hmm. uh, you really can't come in hot with like, hey, and I totally buy this thing. It's like, podcast. <laughs> why are you trying to sell me this tool, right? <laughs> so I think that... Um, I think that there's a couple ways to do this. Uh, one is to talk about the changes in the problem space, um, talk about the ways of working, talking about how those markets are changing. Um, 
And then two, same thing, talking about how the solution space is changing. And so, um, for example, I get a lot of, uh, not a lot, a, a decent amount of inbound requests for freelancing help. I don't really freelance. I'm not a, I'm not a contractor. I have a full-time job. But people will write to me and say, hey, I really liked how you talked about this on the Unmissed podcast. Um, mm-hmm. do, you, do you do consulting? Like, do you do audits? Do you talk about strategy? Do you set up strategy, right? Because I've shared my knowledge about the problem space and what I perceive the solution space to be, people are now saying, oh, you have insight and skills that I wish to purchase. It's the exact mm-hmm. same thing things for companies. So um, I've done this a couple of times um, explicitly where somebody has said, hey, um, I'm managing a new team. Does anybody have any good templates for like getting to know you or how to set up a good meeting? And I'm like, oh, handily, Atlassian has this user manual template. And it talks all about how people like to give feedback and their working hours and, you know, kind of how they work. Um, And I can pop that in and it's completely free. And I can say, hey, there's a template. If you happen to use Confluence, great. There's actually, it's in Confluence, go get it. Or you can write this down on a whiteboard. You can have people put it in a Google doc, right? So there's an element of product agnostic, but I've now been able to talk to them a little bit about how we might help them work. Whether they use our products or not, we want them to be thinking of us as a different way of working and helping them move work forward and unleash, unleashing the potential of every team, right? So if I just come in hot on every single comment or Twitter and just be like, by the way, Jira, by the way, Trello, by the way, Confluence, people are going to be like, that Ashley girl, she just sells. But if instead I come to you and I say, oh, actually, here's an example of a user manual that we use. And then if they say, oh, is there a template for that? Oh, yeah, actually, there is. Here it is, right? So being available to talk about the problem space and the solution space, that's how you start to get people in that mindset that, okay, this person constantly talks about this. Now, when I am ready to buy, they're top of mind. I trust them. Um, People, again, people have reached out to me about various products. Um, I used to work for Duarte, which is a communication design and training firm. And people will reach out to me sometimes and say, hey, I'm looking at different courses from Duarte, uh, which one should I use? And then I am like, oh, well, what's your problem? What are you trying to solve? What's your budget, right? I still mm-hmm. get people reaching out to me and I haven't worked at Duarte in you know five or six years, but because of the way I talk and because of the content that I amplify, people, people feel confident saying, hey, give me your opinion about what I should buy from Duarte, right? So you even see that from past employees um, or past customers that they can be ambassadors for you. Yeah, yeah, valuable. Uh, yeah, you know, I think if I have uh, such energy that you have, I think that it will be much better, you know, to sell anything. Uh, I have the question about building relationships. For example, uh, uh, how, which way is better to build relationships? For example, you mentioned about uh, selling products. Uh, by the way, I. I get like a hundred pitches a day on my email, LinkedIn, everywhere. You know, some yeah. uh, pitches that I don't care because they try to sell without any explanation why I need this product. You know, I just ignore them, uh, leave to, yeah. to the spam folder. Can you tell about building the relationships before selling? Why it's important and how to do it? Sure. Uh, I also get a boatload of product pitches all the time and I ignore them or I just reply. Um, 
I actually found that if I ignore them, they keep following up like a million times. So I actually now I just reply immediately. I'm like, I'm not interested. Thank you. Like, please go away. Um, because I, I, it's like, I don't know you. I don't know who you are, what you're doing. In a lot yeah. of cases, the pitches aren't even relevant, right? Like I, I get, I don't even know all sorts. Of, I got invited to something today that was like, hello, we are doing this AI and healthcare conference and we have a specific track. Like you can get a, you know, $20 discount on a ticket. And I'm like, <laughs> who, how did I end up in your target audience? Like, I know it was like an automated yeah. message, but I'm like, how did I even, what did you put in to your parameters to end up in my inbox? Like this is nonsense, right? So um, two things, I think first, you have to genuinely build the relationship. I see this a lot um, where people, it's like they think that you could feel that they're waiting to pounce, right? Where like they start to engage, but it's like really shallow. And you could tell they're following some playbook that's like, step one, build a relationship. This will take a few weeks and many touch points. So engage on their content. And I'm like, this is weird. Like, why are you, you're very clearly trying to like build a relationship with me so that you can then pitch me. And, and you can feel that. Like you have to, I can't make you genuinely care about your audience, but you have to, you have to genuinely build a relationship. So that's one. Second, um, in terms of things that have actually worked, um, things that have worked really well is when a sales rep or, you know, somebody sees that I have recommended a product or I've asked about a product or a product category or a services category um, and then reached out to say, you know, like, let's say I'm using the free version on my personal account and maybe they reach out and say, you know, hey, I see that you're using the free version on your personal account. Um, would this be something that you might consider using as a business account? Like, did you know that we have these five features in our business account? Oh, hey, that's handy. I, I didn't know that. And actually, that would be useful. Like, what does the pricing look like or something like that? Um, I saw another one. They reached out to me and they were like, hey, I see that your team is using the lowest tier of this service. Um, I'd be curious to find out what other teams might have use for this service. Um, did you know that we offer this type of you know, feature or whatever, this multi-team feature? And I was like, oh, I didn't realize you offered that. Great. Like, let me introduce you to this other team, right? So in that case, I had already shown that I had a need and that I had awareness and I had an, some sort of affinity for this product or service. And then they reached out and basically were trying to upsell me, right? That is much easier than brand new. Who are you? No idea what you're doing, right? But you have to do that research. You have to build that relationship genuinely, not just as like, okay, how, how long do I have to talk to this person until I can finally pitch them? Right. Um, <laughs> you know, like, again, you can tell when someone is doing that, where they're just, they're just come. I mean, there's, there's a couple companies that comment on my stuff on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm, I want to like count how long and how many touches they think they need. I, I literally I have no idea what they do, but they comment. They're like, agree hundred percent truth. And I'm like, Okay. When are you going to try to pitch me and be like, Hey, we've been going back and forth on the comments. I'm like, no, we haven't. You've just been <laughs> sparing me to like, yeah. So, so you have to genuinely build that relationship. Um, and then I think also doing that research to understand, you know, is this, does this person already have some sort of warm fuzzies about you already, um, that they might be willing to 
upgrade or introduce you around or something like that. Like the number of cold pitches I get that are like, Hey, Ashley, let's jump on a call. And if you're not the right person, introduce me to the right person. I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't tell me what to do. Like, no, I go away. Who are you? You know? So, uh, that yeah. relationship, you, you really have to do it genuinely. <laughs> you remind me when I got the pitch, uh, someone, uh, wrote to me, you know, I know that you love fashion. And so I want to share with you some exclusive models. Guys, you know, my t-shirt costs, I don't know, like $5, you know, my, my wife bought this t-shirt. I can, I can take it every single day, you know, so yeah. I, I, I don't know anything about fashion. It's not my direction. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I usually get these speeches, but yeah, it's the part of the game. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to ask some questions that people uh, are asking me how to generate content ideas. Can you tell more about that? Because uh, I know it's struggle when you need to create content. And uh, uh, for example, I don't like to create uh, generic content that uh, we might have online. Uh, it's hard to get engagement because people might see this content. Can you tell about uh, differentiating yourself with your content ideas and create such content? Sure. So if you're very first starting out and let's say this is on social media, so it's like, oh man, I have to create a lot of content all the time. I have to do this consistently. Um, two prompts that I really like. One is what's a question that you asked today? And then the second is what's a question that you answered today? And mm -hmm. those could be personal. They could be professional. They could be in your job. They could be at home. Um, but think about those questions and then start to think about how those might relate to your bigger story, right? So let's say you're trying to build your brand on LinkedIn, for example, and you want people to know that you do content. I'll take myself as an example. Um, I have a lot of hobbies. I do baking, I do theater, I do fitness, I do kiting, I ride motorcycles, I like to hike, right? Yeah. Like there's all these different things that I can relate that to. And so if I were to say, okay, what is something that, you know, someone asked me today or that I asked, that might've been something at the gym saying like, hey, are you using these weights, right? And you might be thinking, well, that, I mean, the answer is yes or no. And how does that relate to content, right? But I could talk about it in the way of how do you make those connections, right? How, what physical proximity do you have to be to your audience for them to know that you are associated with this content? When I stand, you know, right on top of the weights, nobody's going to ask me if they can have them because they see that they're my weights. So if you very closely associate yourself with a piece of content, people know that that's your content, right? Like that's one way where I take something that's in my personal life. It's a question that someone asked me and I say, okay, what can I do to, to tie some portion of this into my professional life? So those are two prompt questions. I think the other big thing is to cover um, content at different depths. So conceptual, strategic, and tactical. So if you have this big problem in the market or you have this set of skills that you want to talk about, how do you talk about it at these different depths so you're not constantly having to come up with new content every time, you're just taking a different angle. So if you talk about the what and the why of the idea, that's the conceptual. It's kind of philosophical in nature. Why does this matter? What is What happens in the long run? From a strategic standpoint, you start talking about what are the processes, key knowledge components, and tools that need to be in place to make that conceptual idea reality. Then obviously at the tactical level, that's where the rubber meets the road. It's the nitty gritty instructions. And so again, connecting some of my personal hobbies and interests and expertise, my go-to for this is again, fitness, where you ask people, what does it mean to be you know, healthy? 
And they'll say it's some combination of exercise and nutrition. But you're going to answer that question very differently if you're runner's world versus yoga, yoga journal versus muscle and fitness, hmm. right? So take some of those elements, whether it's your brand personality or your brand origin story, or it's your personal hobbies and your personal expertise and experience, and combine those with whatever the offering is to then layer on those conceptual, strategic, and tactical depths. And so again, you, you don't need to come up with every single day. You have to sit down and you're like, man, what am I going to talk about? It's like, no, here is the big thing that I'm selling or the big three things that I'm interested in. Here's a couple of hobbies or personal stories. And then here's the different depths. That will fuel a content plan for like months, right? And you can riff on it and you can say, okay, I'm, you know, today I'm going to talk about this and this. And sometimes I'm going to combine them. And, you know, even um, if you think about like, again, fitness content, right? Like 10 tips to build bigger biceps. You could do five tips. You could do seven tips. Heck, you could do, you know, 25 tips, the 25 best exercises to build bigger biceps, right? And then you could break that mm -hmm. down into the different motions. All of that is the same content. It's all about weightlifting and all about, you know, doing your biceps, but you could do a tip a day for a month, right? Today's bicep building tip. There you go. There's 30 days worth of content right there. It's same thing, you know, I could do if I did that riffing on that, right? For this content conversation, I'm just pulling stuff kind of off the top of my head because I <laughs> like it and I know it, right? Um, yeah. Hopefully that's love helpful. It. I know that was kind of a lot of stuff, but I'm like, oh, so many opportunities. <laughs> yeah, I love it, love it. Uh, I have the question uh, about, uh, uh, let's imagine, uh, you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do to learn more about uh, social media marketing? Sure. A couple things. Uh, first, I would actually suggest going and um, taking some courses. You could do that on lynda.com. You could mm -hmm. take it on Coursera. You could do it on uh, Udemy, whatever it is, um, to just start to get some basics about the key platforms, some of those trends, metrics, like how to think about measuring them. So that's that's the first step is I was, you know, step one, go get some skills, go get some expertise. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think step two would be, once you have at least a little bit of an understanding about, you know, the platforms and the metrics, think about what your goals are. What are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to get a new job? Are you trying to sell a service? Are you trying to sell a product? Are you trying to do brand social media? Like those are very different things, personal and professional. Um, from a personal brand building standpoint, not just to share pics of your kids on Facebook. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's a fine thing to do, but that's not kind of a personal branding strategy. Um, it doesn't necessarily have have goals attached to it. So figure out what your goals are. Then based on your goals, that allows you to start honing in on more specific creators to follow, um, specific platform content to consume in terms of tutorials, how it works, how that content is prioritized, you know, 25 most viral Twitter threads of 2022, right? Like once you figure out, okay, I think that being on Twitter and building my brand on Twitter great. How do I do that? Right. Um, yeah. you can start to see it that way. So those, that would be how I would start. And then honestly, I think too many people spend too much time trying to read books and like get the book knowledge instead of just jumping in. Like if you have no mm -hmm. idea at all, start a handle and just like start trying stuff, post a picture, post a meme, hit that retweet button. I don't know what happens when I do this. Does it work? Does it not? Right. Start mm -hmm. experimenting with those things. Again, if you're doing brand social, 
go get you, you know, go talk to some experts, attend some conferences, watch some webinars. But if you're just trying to figure it out from a personal standpoint, um, and again, like we're using the StreamYard platform, the very first time I used the StreamYard platform, I literally went in and was like, I don't know, what does this button do? And like, you know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just punching buttons and I'm like, I don't, I can't figure this out unless I go in, you know, I can read their tutorials and I can watch demos. But at mm -hmm. some point you have to hit that blue go button. Yeah. And it's gonna it's gonna go a little wonky, you know. And I I think literally said, like, hey, this is my first time doing this on my personal profile. Let's see how it goes. Um, and I just I just started. And so if you have a low stakes opportunity to try things, um, that would also be my suggestion is just just try it and start to see what works. So valuable. It's the same, like you know, if I read a hundred books, how uh I don't know how to play soccer, tennis, or uh, train, fitness, anything, you know, without practice, without acting, you can't be successful at any place. Of course, practice is, is on the first place. And yeah, uh, you, you can learn. But uh, after learning, people have short memory. For example, they usually forget about for a few days. Uh, I can forget for a few hours, you know, anything that I've learned without practice. That's why I usually, you know, when I've learned something, uh, I share on social media, I write my notes and uh, can post content, uh, can act, you know. So, yeah, many things to remind and remember all the stuff. Yeah, uh, I have the final question about the future of social media marketing. What kind of future can you forecast today? For example, uh, many things are coming like metaverse, I don't know, augmented reality. Uh, let's forecast this future where we need to pay attention today to uh, cover this future. Sure. Um, so I <laughs> struggling to see the future. I don't have a crystal ball. Um, I, so I will need talk to. about <laughs> some trends. I, I need it. I need it. That are, that, you know, uh, for savvy folks are like, that's not the future. But um, I, I would actually say there's, there's a growing trend of, um, micro influencers. And so this shift away from having a massive following and a huge audience, right? And really looking at what does it mean to have a micro community where you have that intimacy, that trust, that rapport, such that you actually have influence. And so I think in the past, when social media first started, there was this big focus on having a massive audience and basically awareness and reach. And now we're starting to see a shift away from that to say, no, how close can you get to approximating that one-to-one -one relationship, right? Because this conversation that you and I are having has gone on for almost 40 minutes, right? We're looking at each other in the eye. You and I have this very specific connection that we don't have when I talk to, you know, a room full of a thousand people because it's just mm -hmm. different. And so, yes, there's an element where my impact is not as big if you if you run it as an equation this one-to-one -one impact where maybe let's call it i have a hundred percent impact on you but it's only a multiplier of one if i only have an impact of one on five people you multiply that that's mm -hmm. an influence of five right but if i have an influence of one on a thousand people now that's an influence of a thousand right so it's basically looking at that equation to say how can i have the maximum level of influence relationships and community with the right people not just the biggest reach across the most people. So I actually think that it's going to go the way of having micro influencers and micro communities um, where micro is a, a much bigger spectrum um, 
of how those people interact with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, Ashley, it's a big pleasure, you know, to learn from you because you share a lot of value. I love it, your format, your energy. By the way, I think, yeah, I, I need to learn about your energy, <laughs> how you Dude, can share. All I'm always stuff. like yeah. this. This is just like, this is me toned down. So I, I don't have tips <laughs> to be, uh, you know, if anybody has tips to like tone it down, I'm, I'm all ears. <laughs> Okay, guys, I know one tip. You need to follow Ashley and to learn from her and to get this energy because uh, I, I'm feeling, you know, uh, this energy you can feel as well. Uh, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, LinkedIn is the best place. I am on Twitter at Ashley Foss, um, but I am much more responsive and prolific on LinkedIn. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen to us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more value. And guys, thanks for listening and watching us.